Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This is the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. Good afternoon. It is Madam Adams, Cindy Adams from the New York Post. You can read me, and you'd better, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I've been at the New York Post since Abraham Lincoln's day. And now I'm on WABC, and you can listen to me, 770 on the AM dial. You can listen to me every Sunday, 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock. I'm going to burble on for a minute, but right now, there are just a couple of little political things that have just occurred to me, and I thought I'd... Like Buttigieg, his, his, his husband, whom he met on a dating app, once told me they know that Buttigieg is eventually going to become president, is what they said. And they said, you know, when that happens, we plan to change the White House. And I said, yeah, what do you plan to do? And he said, what we're going to do when Buttigieg gets into the White House, we plan to play music all the time. So I'm asking you listeners, given such wisdom, should we applaud Biden's most sensible cabinet choice? Because Biden, the way he's going, the way taxes are going, the way taxes are going higher and higher, looks to me like a person has to be unemployed to make a living. The other day I was at a little group and it was Republicans and Democrats. And a Republican said, remember the worm turns. And the Democrat said, so what? It's the same on both sides. Now I'm going to give you a little talk about stuff that's in the movies. I was doing some research. Lord of the Rings, it was set 6,000 years ago and Sir Ian McKellen wore a watch mid-movie. You didn't see it, I didn't see it, but sharper eyes caught it. Then there was Jamie Foxx who was sporting Foster Grants when he made the movie Django Unchanged. Those sunglasses got invented 100 years later. I mean, I've done all this research. I think all this is hilarious. Then there was the movie called The Revenant. Leonardo DiCaprio leaves the John zipping up. This, I myself didn't see it. Wouldn't you like to have seen Leonardo DiCaprio zipping up or unzipping or whatever he's doing? Anyway, the film was set in 1820. The zipper was invented in 1851. What he did in the meantime, who knows? Maybe he peed on himself. I don't know. I only know what I know. Denzel. Denzel Washington. The movie was The Book of Eli. He carried a Bible in Braille. Fine, that's nice. However, a Braille Bible is a 40-book set. He couldn't have carried a 40-book set. 
Back to the Future, Michael J. Fox. He played the electric guitar. The electric guitar's future came three years later. Johnny Depp, you remember Johnny Depp. He's been famous a while, like in the newspapers. Johnny Depp wears Adidas cap, an Adidas cap in Pirates of the Caribbean. I don't know that they got charged for the product placement or something, but I'm not sure pirates were wearing Adidas at the time. Tom Hanks in World War II's Saving Private Ryan. He's on a motorcycle, which came in 1962, not in World War II. Private Ryan would never make general. Tom Cruise was giggling in a phone booth with Dustin Hoffman in Rain Man. Practical joker Dusty exhibited a bit of flatulence which fractured Cruise and actually got left in. You know, you should go back and see all these movies again now that I've told you this. Forrest Gump invested in Apple stock 1974. The company went public 1980. Hanks, but no Hanks. Okay, I'm going on. In A Star is Born, the remake, Bradley Cooper drove Lady Gaga around, except the speedometer continually read zero. He was in a fast-moving scene going nowhere. Dirty Dancing, Patrick Swayze, he drives while Jennifer Grey changes clothes in the back seat. I don't quite know how they got there because the car gear shift is in park. You got to go back and see these movies so you can see that I, I'm telling you the truth. 1861, a scene in Gone with the Wind. It shows an illuminated gas lamp which somehow has an electrical cord. Remember in the old, old days, north by northwest, there's a cafe scene that has Eva Marie Saint pulling a gun on Cary Grant. Beforehand, little boy in the background had fingers in his ears. Ah, okay, I'm going on. Wait, I got some more things to tell you. Now I want to tell you that I did an interview with a comedian named Judy Gold. I was asking her, what is going on with her career? What's going on with any of our careers when we're sitting home, not going to events? Judy Gold said, what is an Emmy-winning stand-up comedian supposed to do when there's no joints to stand up in? Who the hell knows what we're supposed to do about anything, she told me. I've written a book. I teach solo performances, stuff like performing arts with in primary stages type thing. This Zoom situation, going from the kitchen table to a desk, is awful, she said. And I'm not good with even opening a sardine can. Today's big-time activity for me is to have a tuna sandwich and go for the mail. Anyway, talking to Judy Gold, she said... 
Recently, I did a show for Israel while I was in lockdown. Sitting in the living room, nobody left. You know what that's like when everyone is muted? It's awful. Just focusing on one woman standing next to a bookcase, you lunge forward. You then go sideways. Then you sit back. Then you go on to the next show. Then you pick your teeth. Then you don't know what the hell you're doing. Then when she says, I did a Drew Barrymore thing, and my light fell down, my Zoom went off. So I sat at my kitchen table, but I first had to clean the place so I didn't look like a slob. I had to shove books around so that they would know, know I'm at least able to read. You have to clean your whole house before you go on television these days. She says, it's thanks for the Jewish people who use comedy as a major source. They are always fundraising for something, and comedy is their go-to for every function. Thankfully, they also send me a check, because otherwise I'd starve. It's less than I usually get, but at least you don't have to travel. Judy Gold, the comedian, said, Listen, I'm not doing well. None of us are doing well. I'm doing some internet, like virtual comedy clubs. I'm also working drive-ins. You know what a thrill that is? Starring in a diner in Queens? It's not really my thing. Front and center standing on a flatbed truck and the audience is laughing by flashing their car lights? I don't think so. Every night around 8, she says, I get this burst of energy. I don't know what to do. So I call my cousin Glenn. He's five foot two. I'm six foot two. It's the best I can come up with. And for my opening, this is all the best I can come up with. So we are now about to take a quickie break so WABC Radio can make some money. Hopefully they'll give me some of it. And right after the two-minute break, I'm coming right back, and I have some wonderful people to talk to and interview. So stay with me. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. All the dish that's fit to air. Cindy Adams is on 77 WABC. I am now about to speak to Christine Johnson. She is the anchor on CBS TV, 5 p.m. and 11 p.m. every day. Her co-anchor is Maurice Dubois, and she is a pistol, and I love her. Christine Johnson. Okay, so Christine Johnson, who you see every night on CBS, 
First of all, is it true that you were born in the Philippines? I was, yeah, a bit of trivia. So my mother is Filipino. She was born and raised in the Philippines, and she met my father when he was um, serving for the Air Force, and he was stationed at Clark Air Force Base on the island of Luzon. So they met, and I was actually married, or I'm sorry, excuse me, born on the Air Force Base. So I am a naturalized citizen. But if I remember correctly, I don't think I could ever run for president because I wasn't born on American soil. (laughs) Too bad about you, yeah. Have you been back to the Philippines? My father was stationed there again when I was younger. I believe we moved back, if I I remember correctly, when I was six, and we spent about four years there. I have not been back since, but it's on my bucket list. So how did you actually get from the Philippines to America? I mean, you're such a hotshot now on CBS. How did you actually get here and get so important? What happened? Well, I worked hard, first and foremost, Um, but my father, you know, he's an American, and we lived the, you know, military family lifestyle throughout my adolescence. So from the time that I was born until the time I graduated from high school, I moved around quite a bit every three to four years. I lived in the United States, I lived in Europe, I lived in Asia. And when it was time for me to go to college, I was in Texas when I graduated high school. And I decided to go, of all places, to the Midwest, the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. I had some ties there. My two of my older brothers went to school there. Um, We were stationed there at one point, so I still had some friends. And I went there, and that's where I caught the journalism bug. And um, it was a Dan Rather breaking news, interrupting program incident in my dorm room. And from there, I just worked my way up the ladder, so to speak. Okay, I, I got all that. But I don't understand the, the Dan Rather, whom I love dearly. You were watching him instead of studying? Is that it? Is that what you were doing, honey? <laughs> well, like, like any college student back in the day, I don't, I mean, maybe they're much more studious these days, but I had the TV on in the background while I was sitting in my dorm room getting ready for class and doing some last minute studying. You know, and all of a sudden you hear, you know, that that familiar tone of somebody breaking into programming, and it was Dan Rather. And it was um, during um, the Middle East conflict, and, you know, Operation Desert Shield turned into Operation Desert Storm, and suddenly we're firing missiles, you know, across bodies of water, and I was transfixed. I couldn't take my eyes off the screen. Okay. I'm not sure how you got from college and a dorm and you got onto CBS, which is where you are now. What happened in the middle? So I got my first job in Providence, Rhode Island at a station called WPRI TV. It was channel 12, if you're looking for yeah, the dial yeah, number. Yeah. And um, I started off as a part-time assignment editor. So I was responsible to, for answering the phones, making sure all of the facts, um, you know, messages were read and filed. I would have to listen to the scanners. And that's how I started in the business. Um, And then I started uh, writing. And when I um, was promoted to a writer, I had to run the prompter for the anchors. 
and this was before everything was computerized, I would literally have to put all of the scripts on a conveyor, like it was looked like basically a, a miniature conveyor belt, and there was a light bulb above it with a camera, and I would have to <laughs> manually put all these papers in the correct order, you know, and keep loading them on and making sure that the right, you know, um, pace was going for whomever the anchor was reading. Um, and if there were corrections, I'd have to manually write them down on the script. I mean, this was so, when I look back at it, okay. I kind of laugh. But, yeah, that's what I was doing. And I was, you know, getting getting coffee and doing okay. errands. Speaking of coffee... I've mm -hmm. been on television a thousand years, long before they even had sets. So I acted on TV, and I know what it's like to have a cup of coffee schlump on me while I'm on the air. <laughs> Does this never happen to you when you're sitting there looking so classy on television? Of course, accidents happen. More often than not, it's makeup. Um, you know, you'll get a smudge of lipstick or powder or something. But, um, yeah, of course. And you learn little tricks of the trade. You know, you make sure that you have a straw because the likelihood of, of spilling something when you're drinking through a straw is less likely. But um, it's never happened where it's really noticeable to me, thankfully, after all these years I've been on the air. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just the other day, actually, I, I must have spilled something because I wasn't drinking out of a straw. And I noticed at the end of the broadcast and I looked at my co-anchor and I'm like thanks for telling me I had a big spot on my dress <laughs> <laughs> okay okay there's another thing that used to happen to me either I get fat or I get thin or something and the schlumpy thing that I was wearing the schmata was either too big or too mm. tight and I had to put a um, paper clip on the back or, mm -hmm. or or a diaper pin what about that you girls always look so neat you can't be that neat all the time of course not well, well, what happens? What happens to you? Well, you get dolled up. I mean, it's funny. You know, Cindy, a lot of times when I'm out on the streets, I don't get recognized. I, there are times that I'm walking down the hall in my own, you know, the broadcast center, and my boss doesn't know who I am before I get made up. I'm not oh kidding. Oh, my I'm God. I'm not kidding. How bad um, can you look? I mean, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I look bad, but I just look different. Um, so, yeah, you get all dolled up. You know, you get your hair done, you get your makeup done, you get these clothes that personally I feel are way too tight. They're not the type of clothing that I wear, you know, when I'm not on the air. Um, because, you know, when you wear loose clothing, unfortunately, the camera ads can definitely add weight but um you pin and you tuck and you use wardrobe tape and you you i don't know what, what the proper name of those little clips are but every office has them they're black with the yeah, yeah. two little you know prongy things on them but yeah they're all sometimes they're if you turn me around on the camera you'll see them clipped all down my back <laughs> just so that the the wardrobe will fit properly so are you supplied by with with schmatas to wear you're not wearing your own clothes Oh, no, I wear my own clothes. I shop for myself. I've been doing this for so long. I kind of have, you know, I know what what silhouettes look best on me. I try not to overthink it. I don't try to do, like, really, you know, trendy things. I don't do, you know, that one shoulder on and one shoulder off thing. I've, I find that if it's just less distracting, 
um, the better, because then you're not, you know, my, my job is to tell stories. My job is to report the news. I'm not a fashion model. Um, so I try to look as plain as possible with my wardrobe so that it's not, um, you know, t- grabbing all the attention. You know, when I've been on, on television, I have noticed that there are names that are mispronounced. I have mm. been, I have lived in Kabul. I have been, I have lived in Iran. I have been all over these places. I lived in the Far East. How about people who are mispronouncing? And how do you learn how to pronounce words? Well, I do my best to try to, If you know, we read scripts before we go on the air. I'm not going to lie. I have mispronounced names of towns and things like that, um, counties. Um, but I always do try my best if I do have a question on how to pronounce a certain street or something like that. Um, I will ask somebody, I, you know, in the newsroom that will know, or I'll actually call like the main number of a town, you know, and that you usually get the, the messaging machine. And that's a great way to figure out the correct the correct pronunciation for some of these places but it does it is one of my pet peeves it definitely is um and you live and learn you know we're human and i'm not, i'm gonna make mistakes but you learn from them and you hopefully never make it again okay you certainly don't say kabul i'm sure no I'm sure i don't no and, and i say moscow and i say houston i don't say houston i say I even say Worcester from Massachusetts. You know, you, you and Iran. They say Iran instead no, of Iran. no, no, Iran, Iran, yeah. it's definitely okay. Iran. Okay, okay. So I have to ask you because I don't understand why a slip of a girl like you, nice mm-hmm. and thin, why you are schlepping around running in marathons. <laughs> Well, I'm not as thin as I used to be. You know, COVID hit me too. So I'm still working on that. Um, But, you know, the first time I did it, I just wanted to see if I could do it. Um, My problem was I overtrained and I was inexperienced. And this really, there really is a method to running a marathon. And I went in there thinking, oh, just because I'm fit, I can do this. Wrong. Big mistake. So the second time I did it, it was to prove that I could do it better than the first time. <laughs> and um, it, my experience was much better. The third time I did it, it was, um, you know, after we lived through COVID for two years, I was turning 50 and I just really needed something outside of my work life um, to distract me. And so I did it for my mental health. I also did it because, like I said, I was turning 15. And again, I just wanted to prove to myself that I could do this. And um, it was nice because we worked all through COVID, just like all the first responders did. We are not considered first responders, people in the press. But if you look at what we've been through here in the city, you know, the tri-state, the country, you wouldn't have been able to learn what all of our first responders experienced unless it was for us. We were, pe- we were the people delivering those stories to you. Um, so we were experiencing all of that firsthand, and we were working throughout the pandemic just like they were. So mentally, it breaks you down. It really does. And not only are you dealing with a pandemic, you're dealing with all the political turmoil, you're dealing with the food insecurity, you know, everything that's going around. And I really wanted to 
step foot in all the five boroughs. I wanted to make eye contact with people that live there, and I wanted to just, you know, see positivity. And um, it worked. It, it was kind of a cleansing moment for me. I, I've listened to the whole thing. I'm not running in any marathon, and I've listened to your story, and now I've had enough of you and the marathon. Okay. And I, I'm okay. going to listen to you and watch you and love you, and we got to have a cup of coffee together. Well, I want Prosecco, because <laughs> I want to hear some dirt, Cindy. I want to okay. hear about the good old days. Okay, babe. Okay, sweetie. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We'll watch you on the air Monday. Thank you, honey. Thanks for having me. I love you. Bye. A name you know who's in the know. It's the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. So, Miranda Devine, who has suddenly taken over the New York Post and made herself more important than I am, which makes me very aggravated, but she's doing very great. First of all, America, Australia, what is your home? I live in New York, um, and Cindy, as you know, I'm uh, a native New Yorker, born in Jamaica, Queens, although I did have a, a bit of a sojourn in Australia. So what's different in Australia's newspapers versus America's? What's different in the way they do it? Well, um, you don't read a lot about Australia in American newspapers. You read a lot about America <laughs> in Australia's newspapers. I guess yes. that's it. What made you come here? Uh, well, um, our mutual friend and our then mutual editor, Cole Allen, yes. um, invited me. And, of course, Cole is a legend in Australian and American journalism, and he had been my editor uh, for 10 years in Australia before he came to the New York Post. So um, uh, he offered me the opportunity, and it worked out really well. I actually worked he under your father. Your father was here as an editor for a while. Is that not the truth? That's right. He was editor of the New York Post back in the uh, 1980s, the, um, the exciting days pre-Giuliani. When New York was, as you remember, um, just a, a bit of a hellhole and pretty dangerous. Which is what it is right now, honey. Okay. Back to the future. So you have been getting front page stories, which aggravates me because I'm not getting them. <laughs> you are. First of all, I don't know what I want to ask you first. I don't know who I want to pee on first. Tell me about, you should excuse the phrase, Hunter Biden. What is the FBI cover-up? I don't understand that. Well, look, as you know, the Hunter Biden laptop story, which we were the ones at the New York yeah, Post yeah, yeah. who broke it, yeah. all the media in the country, uh, the New York Post was the only one under Cole Allen, in fact, um, with the courage to run that three weeks before the election. And at the time, we had all sorts of cover-up from big tech and the rest of the media. But what we didn't also realise was that the FBI was covering up. And now we find out from whistleblowers that have come forward to Senator Chuck Grassley that there were FBI agents who were deliberately um, suppressing this information that was coming to them in October of 2020 about the laptop uh, and who were dismissing it as Russian disinformation and th therefore sort of preventing any future investigations into it by other FBI agents. Uh, and and we also know from Chuck Grasley that this went on as early as August of 2020, before we even knew about the laptop, 
when uh, Chuck Grasley and his fellow Republican Senator Ron Johnson were doing a great job investigating Hunter Biden's very corrupt uh, involvement with uh, Ukraine and the huge payments he was getting from there. And they were getting a little bit too close to Joe Biden. And so the Democrats sick to the FBI on them. They got this bogus defensive briefing, so-called, uh, which Ron Johnson knew immediately. As soon as he got into that room, after he'd been ambushed with this so-called defensive briefing, he told the FBI agents, this is nothing to do with our investigation. If this turns up in the media, I will know that you are corrupt. Sure enough, next day, get okay. leaked to the media. In your view, what will happen? I mean, if we ever get rid of Biden, who doesn't even know where he is, what will happen? Will the Republicans go after him? How will this work out? Look, I think uh, the Republicans are determined to be very aggressive in their congressional investigations next year after assuming they win back at least the House. And uh, they have plans to subpoena Hunter Biden's former business partners and to follow all the threats that lead to Joe Biden. The big question is, I guess, how long is Joe Biden going to last? I mean, I'd ask you this, Cindy. Do you think Joe Biden will last until the end of his term? He can't even last to find his way to the men's room. So I don't think he's going to last. He is just useless. He is nowhere. He doesn't even know he's in the White House. That's my answer. You have another answer? Uh, Look, I kind of agree with you, although the problem for the Democrats is that his replacement is Kamala Harris. No, 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 no. We can't have that. We can't have that. She's even worse. (laughs) She's even worse. worse. I don't know if she's worse, but she's pretty bad. She has a word salad, a word salad. She can't speak. She doesn't know anything. She knows why she's there. Could you give me your opinion of her? Look, I wonder, um, she cannot possibly be as dumb as she sounds, these banal (laughs) utterances. So I think that Obama, who's her friend, has said to her, don't screw up. Don't make any mistakes. Just sit tight and you're going to be president before 2024. The first black female president. You will make history. Just don't screw up. So that's why every time she opens her mouth, she just says nonsense so that no one can ever say that she screwed up. She never made a mistake. What she said sounded moronic, but she never made a mistake. Well, you do full pages. Can you tell me what you think will happen in the election? Do you think it's remotely possible that we could get her for president? I'll kill myself. I mean, is that possible? Well, it would be possible if uh, Joe Biden, for instance, um, uh, you know, says that he's suffering from long COVID. I mean, we know that he's had, I mean, it was like 15, 16 days that he's since he first tested positive for COVID. Uh, so he could easily attribute his dementia to long COVID and brain fog and then graciously retire. The Democrats will give him a great send-off. All his pet historians will write laudatory articles about him and, and, and his legacy, he thinks, would be preserved. And then um, Kamala Harris would step up. She'd have a few months making history as the first black female president. And then she would choose as a vice president 
some pretty boy like Gavin Newsom, who the Democrats love, and then she would be persuaded that she had no hope in 2024. Um, She wouldn't care because she would have She's already been president. Why would she want any more? She'd be given some grace and favor job, you know, earning millions of dollars from some Democrat donor. And uh, Gavin Newsom would step up, win the primary and go to be the Democratic candidate in 24. I can see that and I can see them pushing the youth vote uh, and, you know, using that if Donald Trump did end up being the Republican candidate, using that against him because he will be older than Joe Biden was uh, if he if he does if he were to win. You know, I actually think Joe Biden's brain fog comes partially from looking at his wife's wardrobe. <laughs> uh, if she wears one more schmata, the silk thing with the wide skirts and flowers painted on it, I might move to Belgium. She's just the worst. Anyway, okay, I'm she going. Is. Awful. And, and, she's and awful. She looks like she's wearing her her curtain fabric. I'm. Oh, thank God you're you're on. I mean, absolutely. Okay, back to Hunter Biden. You should excuse the expression. How <laughs> did he leave? How dumb could he be, or how zonked could he have allegedly been that he would have left his t- laptop in a in a place there? How could that be? Well, he is the smartest man that Joe Biden knows, and he is <laughs> certainly a lot smarter That's than Joe good. Biden. Yes, well, anybody is. Yes, <laughs> yes. yes. But I, I don't know that he was dumb. Um, I think he he was a crackhead, so obviously he left things everywhere, and it, he, he actually lost, uh, that we know of, three laptops. But also I think there might have been some Freudian element here because you know, it's not great having Joe Biden as a father. He resented him. He resented the fact he had to give him half his salary. He resented the fact that he was getting 10% for the big guy and that nobody respected Hunter Biden for all this hard work he was doing. So um, it may have been that he was deliberately, or not deliberately, but subconsciously trying to sabotage his father's presidential candidacy. Oh, my. I I never thought about that. I never thought well, about that. he dropped it off just to, at the laptop repair place and left it there just two weeks before Joe Biden announced that he was running for president. So, and he never went back to pick it up. I, I, I didn't think about that. I didn't think about that. But the brother is in it. I mean, everybody's in this whole thing. Uh, isn't there, you know, you, you know, you know so much and you do full pages on this. So I, I only know sketchily what I read. But isn't there also an attorney in Delaware who was also checking Hunter for other things? Yes, there is. There's been a four-year investigation by the U.S. Attorney in Delaware, David Weiss, into Hunter Biden for various, uh, you know, allegations like tax evasion and money laundering and foreign agent violations. Um, and Hunter has paid back a- around two and a half million dollars to the IRS. Um, overdue and uh, so they may just let him off with a slap on the wrist and say oh well poor boy he was a drug addict what would he know Um, if you or I didn't pay our tax we'd be in a lot of trouble but um, Hunter Biden may get off but who knows they've been slow walking this this thing they should there should have been an indictment there was a grand jury already spent months 
in you know having testimony from various witnesses like Hunter's former lovers and former business partners. They should have wrapped up by now. It's been a long time coming, but it looks like they're going to slow walk it past the midterms. So how do you know? I mean, I know this is, this would seem like a, a dumb question because I'm also in the newspaper business. But how do you know if what you say, everything you say, is absolutely fact and is true? How can you do that? How can you prove what you're saying, everything, Miranda? Well, there's three reasons. Um, one is the laptop. One is the testimony um, from Tony Bobolinsky, who's a Navy veteran, very credible guy, former business partner yes, of Hunter yes, Biden. Yes. And he handed over all his devices to the FBI in October of 2020. Um, he's given a press conference. I've talked to him. Um, his material overlaps with the material on the laptop, corroborates the material on the laptop. Um, and there's so much evidence uh, there that is uh, very damaging to the Bidens about their influence peddling scheme, the millions of dollars that came from China. The third element of the jigsaw puzzle, which I've put together in my book, is the uh, Treasury Department documents, the financial uh, trail, the money trail um, that Chuck Grasley and Ron Johnson, the Republican senators, have put together. And they used these suspicious activity reports that banks have to file with the Treasury Department. You can see the millions of dollars coming in to Biden bank accounts and their associate bank accounts from China, Russia, Ukraine, Romania, Kazakhstan. Um, so all that put together, if you add subpoena power uh, and public hearings by the Republicans next year, you will see a really clear-cut case of wrongdoing. But how do you get the idea for what you would like to do in your page? Ah, me. Okay, well, I guess because the laptop. I mean, you know, Rudy Giuliani uh, had the laptop. I get a call from him. He sends a few emails, He um, a, a few photographs and so on from the, the laptop. Um, it all looks... It all looks right. His, uh, his lawyer, Bob Costello, really forensic guy. He's gone through it. We had long conversations. It seems right to me. Uh, I tell Cole, um, the whole of the New York Post, Emma, Emma Jo Morris, all these great reporters, they, everyone does their due diligence. Um, and, and we're satisfied that what we have from the laptop is legitimate and we publish it. And, um, 19 months later, the New York Times, the Washington Post, etc., yes, finally know. admitted that we were right. And then after that, I just started talking to people who knew Hunter, I'll just say associated with Hunter Biden, and um, they everything they say corroborates. So I'm just doing um, journalism. And, you know, as well, uh, whistleblowers are coming forward to the Republicans, and I've been, um, you know, privy to some of that information as well, which I can report in the paper. So um, all put together, I mean, there's just, uh, uh, the dam is is bursting, um, Cindy, and Joe Biden has gotten away with this corruption since his earliest days in Delaware decades ago. And when he was vice president, he internationalized it and turbocharged it and got 
several million dollars for his family out of it and, and yeah, presumably for himself. But um, it now has become a national security issue. It's very important. Okay, I know that lawyers check every word you write, like they do in my column, which, of course, does not deal with the stuff that you do. But have you ever gotten caught in something and and had to either apologize or had a problem? Uh, yeah, well, of course. <laughs> well, let's I've had a long it. career in journalism. Let's hear um, it. Yeah, so, um, yeah, but, you know, uh, I mean, the lawyers are great and they are there to, to look out for the pitfalls and any time we have any stories that are um, potentially, uh, you know, could, could end up in litigation, um, the lawyers look at them with a fine-tooth comb and sometimes annoy me because they'll take things out. Um, but yeah. that's the way it ought to be to, to keep us all in business. Okay. Now I would like just for two minutes or so to pee on Pelosi. Could you tell me about Fancy Nancy? What is that self-indulgent trip to Taiwan? Could you tell me about that, please? You're spot on, Cindy. Self-indulgent, that's yes. what it was. It was just a photo opportunity for Fancy Nancy because she knows that she'll be out of a job come November. And uh, she's she went to Ukraine for another fancy photo opportunity in her Jimmy Choo's and striding around or tottering around, I should say. Um, and, you know, it's one thing to go to Ukraine for a photo op, but to go to Taiwan at a time when we're already embroiled here in this problem in Europe, when um, China is, uh, President Xi is just desperate for a diversion from his own economic woes. He wants to rally his country behind him when he's just about to go to his People's Congress and get crowned for another, for a third term, unprecedented third term. He's in the new Mao Zedong. And uh, so so all Nancy Pelosi did was hand him a gift, which is the last thing we yeah, want. Yeah, I know. She's I know. freelancing. She's not doing what she was warned by the intelligence people not to go, but she was insistent. And this is not a matter of standing up to China. We all want Joe Biden to stand up to China like Donald Trump did, and he's weak and possibly compromised. It wasn't about that. You can't have a one part of the government going off freelancing and not having a whole of government approach to China. It's just foolhardy and typical of Nancy Pelosi. And I can't believe that there are Republicans who are applauding her for it. I mean, of course, once it, she leaked the, the story that she was going, there was no way she couldn't go. She had to go. But um, the, the whole, the, the, the Biden administration has screwed this up royally. The problem with you is you never have anything to say and you're boring, Miranda. That's the problem. You just have nothing, nothing ever, ever to say. Okay, I want to thank you very much for coming on. Everybody wants to talk to you. You've got full pages in the New York Post, much to my aggravation because I don't have that. <laughs> and everybody thinks you're terrific. And I love your stories. Absolutely. Absolutely. So can I thank you? And can I have dinner with you one day? Love that. Cindy would absolutely love it. Be honored. It's wonderful to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you, honey. Thanks a lot. It's the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. Okay. I would like to just burble about a few things that have come to my brain. 
Norman Lear. He just turned a hundred. He was the greatest producer and director of television. Once, as he and Al Roker were inhaling pastrami at a deli and I was there, I remember him saying, you must live in the moment. You must not yearn for the future. You must not exist in the past. We're on one planet, all of us, in a universe of billions. The message for us is, there is something greater than ourselves in the universe. Going from that, I now want to give you something that I'm continuing with great moments. There's a man called Bob Colicello. Bob Colicello was Warhol's number one pal. In his worst Studio 54 memory, he says, the thing that I can never forget is a thousand years ago, getting caught making out with the boss of Studio 54, Steve Rubell, making out with Steve Rubell's boyfriend, and him catching me doing it, and then banning me from the studio for a week. That was his worst thing that happened? I mean, really? Okay. Then he said, what was his best memory? He said, it was seeing Yves Saint Laurent kiss, kiss, Halston in the basement and then Truman Capote coming upon them and commenting, Ay, we just witnessed a great moment in fashion history. <laughs> These are the things that come out of my brain that I remember in the middle of the night. Now in keeping with murder mayhem, Hulu has Martin Short's Murders in the Building. It's shoot him up, kill him up, and lie how they die and get knocked off in their upper west side, upper high class, upper type elevators. I would like to see nice movies. I would like to say, see Moon, Spoon, June. I am tired of seeing cops and murders and stabs. Plus also John Lithgow has re-returned in Dexter where he plays a not nice killer. What is that? Why can't we get things that make us happy? Also, we got us a morgue full of police corruption, international intrigue, murder, spies, stab them, grab them, and just plain old slash and slay killer stories. So watch before we go to sleep. Why can't we get something nice? That's all that I am saying. What could be better for our children? Wait, wait, I got more. Idris Elba's next, it's called Beast, B-E-A-S-T. It's about lion country. It's about a safari gone poop. It's about a big cat who wants to eat the nice doctor and his daughters. Ah, it's nice, it's sweet. Television is lovely. And now before I go off to get a cup of coffee, I want to tell you about the judge who said to the accused, besides stealing money, you took watches, you took jewelry, you took diamond rings, and you took pearls. And the prisoner said, yes, Your Honor, I was taught that money alone 
does not bring happiness. Listen, guys, I had enough, and you had enough, and I am now going to get a cup of coffee and hope you're going to tune me in again next Sunday, WABC 770 on the AM dial from 1 to 2. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and goodbye.